2000, you're cleared on route. 104, 172 at 2500. It's time for Chris Cruz. Hey guys, welcome back. This is season 2 and I'm ready to rock and roll. Spoiler alert. Warning? Spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Stranger Things. And in order for us to kind of talk about this article, we have to spoil some things. So if you have not watched Stranger Things, what I suggest you do is go watch it and come back. Or listen to us. And then you come back and watch the show on Netflix. So. What a better way to kick off this season than to talk about Stranger Things. And how we're going to do that, we're going to hear talk to Holly because she has an interesting take on Stranger Things and she kind of put them all together. So, Holly, welcome to the program. And we're going to start with what made you say, you know what? I want to write a story about Stranger Things because it applies to today's day. So what made you do that? You know, when you first watch it, it's easy to get caught up in all of the nostalgia for the 80s. They do such a great job of, you know, pinning the music, the eyeglasses, the clothes, the food, all of that culture. But that actually really does a, you know, really good job taking all of those kind of familiar things from, you know, I'm a millennial. This is kind of my childhood and making it safe to look at what's going on today when we talk about our local politics versus more of the national kind of federal stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting because your article, you know, I hate reading. And that's one of the things that, like, if I'm actually going to read something, at the end, I expect something out of it. And when I saw your title, like I said, I've been trying to wait for somebody to to match those two things together because Stranger Things is kind of of a, like you put here, people who seek the truth against those who seek power. In my notes, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you say you, uh, you, uh, that puts people who seek the truth. In my notes, I put that as us, the people. And then those who seek the power, I put that like the elitists, like the people that already made it into like the political world. Is that the way that you were trying to go with this article? Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. You know, we have average people and we're interested in, you know, we want to make enough money to pay our bills and we want our family to be safe. And, you know, we kind of want things to go along smoothly. And then we have the people at the top who make all of the decisions and they're not interested in us and they're not interested in, you know, our personal safety. They're interested in themselves. It's really very selfish at the top. Why do you say that Stranger Things is about us? I think because it's about normal people. You know, the show centers around some paranormal activity and it's kind of weird to think about, you know, psychokinesis and you know, shadowy CIA experiments being about us, but it's about families and it's about, you know, normal people where you have mom and dad go to work and you have, you know, a single mom trying to get by and nobody's in a super fancy house. Nobody's driving a super, super fancy car. They're normal people and they're trying to deal with living normal lives, you know, as this lab in the woods is disrupting all of it. You know, and when actually, because that was one of the first things that I saw is the way they portray the families. And that's why I want to talk about the buyer's family first, because those are the ones that actually stuck out to me and saying, wow, this is where we are today. For example, you got a mom, there's a single mom raising two kids. 
the older kid works to try to support the family. The younger kid is still kind of, you know, playing with his friends. He has to be home before the uh, the lights come on. So that is kind of where we are today on the first two. For example, the mom is working at a convenience store slash uh, supermarket. And then the son is also working as well. We don't know where he's working at, but we know that he works because that's where, you know, the, the season opens up where, you know, the, the little kid is lost because mom is at work and the older kid was supposed to be at home watching the, the little brother, but he was also working at the same time. So that kind of portrays us in a way where, you know, we got single parents raising kids and the older kid is working. Am I right about this? Yeah, um, the first family you talked about, the buyers, I think they are absolutely a normal family now, unfortunately. Um, and I think it's actually really interesting. You talked about the older son, and he's not only a loner, but he is, you know, hugely responsible for watching his younger brother, for supporting his mom. She leans on him way more than, um, you know, just as a teenage son. He works extra, not to like pay for gas or his camera or anything, but actually to pay family bills. So he might be a little socially awkward and weird and he's actually really responsible. And I think he's a good kid. And the other family is, you know, it's the average white bread family. Dad goes off to work, you know, who cares what he does? He sits there at home eating his meatloaf. And, <laughs> and you really, know, mom has, yeah, that's mom really has no idea. Yeah, that's really interesting because here's the thing, like one of the things that really bothered me from this family and, and it kind of like portrays now how you look into Facebook, how, you know, I see it on my Facebook where, you know, you have those, you follow those friends of yours that, you know, they look so perfect, you know, mm -hmm. but then deeper inside there's a problem, especially with the Wheeler's family, because if you compare um, uh, the other family, uh, the buyer's family, all their business is out there. Everybody knows that this is a bad, you know, kind of like a broken family. But when you look at the Wheelers, they portray a picture of like, we got everything together. But at the same time, here's one of her sons hiding a little girl in the basement. Right. So that's, you know, like, she actually reminds me of the Pinterest mom. Yes. Everything on the surface is absolutely perfect. It's photo ready. You know, it just looks great. And then you dig a little bit deeper. She has no idea what's actually going on in the lives of her children. No, she's she's not. more interested in how things look than how things actually are. And perfect way. And you and you actually wrote it perfectly here is when um, when Nancy uh, has sex with her boyfriend, you know, mm -hmm. all she says, well, I'll, if you need me, I'll be there with you. But this is what I really want to get into. I really want to get into in the kind of the Dr. Brenner um, and, the CI and the CIA experiments. How do you tie that into today? You know, I think when we look at how much we trust or don't trust the government, especially when they talk to us about, you know, what is good for us, we have issues on, you know, our food quality. And every time you go buy something in the store, you flip it over and on the bottom of the label, it tells you that, you know, this contains something that in the state of California is going to cause cancer. Like we have this issue where, you know, everything we put into ourselves, we use the government is either like, Hey, it's awesome. And then five years later we find out it's terrible for us or they tell us, Hey, it's terrible for you, but you're going to buy it anyway. You know, there's not really the feeling that we can trust them 
And so when we look at, you know, they talk about MK Ultra, you know, just very vaguely and stranger things. And that was this, you know, expanding your mind. They did sensory deprivation and LSD to try to figure out um, what the human mind was capable of. And they didn't really tell people what they were getting into. They picked college students. They picked, you know, people without a lot else going on. And, um, you know, that's kind of the frame for how they end up with a girl with psychic powers in the show. And obviously, you know, that's where it diverges from reality a little bit. Let's talk about Eleven. Um, here, because the plot here kind of portrays not only the little kids, but it's actually mainly Eleven. So what does the mom have to do? Because they don't show that much of the mom other than, you know, where the uh, police officer is trying to make the connections. So what's the importance about the mom or is there anything important about her mom in this series? To connect to your article um you know the saddest thing i think about the mother is that by the time hopper the sheriff finds her she's totally catatonic like she went and she was desperate for her baby nobody believed her that she actually had a baby since the lab stole it and i think it shows you through her inaction just how important family and children actually are to mothers that losing her child and having that denied was so much that it actually just shut her down completely. Well, actually, I'm a parent and just got goosebumps on that because I did not see it that way. You know, because they pick, they put her as a crazy person. You know, even mm-hmm. like, I think it was her sister that takes care of her or whoever takes care of her. You know, she's like, you know, she lost it. She's not the same person at all. Now, the bad guys, which I kind of like because this kind of reflects on who are our bad guys are today. You know, you put here that uh, Brenner whether um, he clearly employs by the government or not, is politically well-connected. It reminds us how clearly different uh, the different rules apply for the elite. Yeah, I think that's actually very timely. You know, I think no matter what candidate you are throwing behind right now, there are definitely, you know, some questionable legal things going on where people are sued over various things or where they are, you know, investigated for things that, like, if you or I did them if we broke the rules we would be in huge trouble we would be in jail right now if you have the right name if you have enough money if you have all those connections it seems like there's really nothing you can't get away with yeah and and that's one that's one of the things that this show kind of puts it where like for the doctor you know does not matter it kind of like the ends justify the means for example where the little girl first escapes she goes to a diner you know and, Mm -hmm. and and Imagine, and this is, I don't know if this got you too, where he calls social services. That's the first thing he did. You know, so like in my mind, I was like, wait a minute, we're programmed to call social services first instead of like asking questions. So that's for me, that was mistake number one. Then the second one is where either, you know, they're, I don't know, we don't know if they're part of the government or not, but they're just, the answer is not the means because they killed the guy that was trying to seek help for the little girl. So that for me says, you know, in my mind, it says, well, we trusted the government so much that they were willing to kill us to do some cover-up. And again, it goes translate to what, what's happening today in our political world. You know, you put here, law doesn't apply when it's inconvenient because the end always justifies the means. And the end is power. You know the saying, and it's like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Are you familiar with that? Yes. I'm sure I'm yes. totally mangling it. You know, when you look at people and they're in a position of authority locally, you know, people on your school board, your local police officers, 
your mayor, your city council, you know, the people trying to make sure that your local water is safe and that your taxes go to the things they're supposed to go to. Like those are people, they live in your community. They're part of your community. They're part of your families. You know, they're your friends, they're your neighbors. Those people are relatable. Those people, it's easy to see that they're still connected, that they still care. You move that out, like a standard deviation to like state government, and you're starting to get a little bit more disconnected. You're starting to deal with bigger financial things. You're dealing with, you know, trading favors to get more money into your state. You're dealing with, you know, career politicians, people that have forgotten what it's actually like to go work a real job, what it's like to not have a job that's going to pay for the rest of your life. You move even further out to, you know, your government out in D.C. where, you know, how many of them actually come visit the people they're supposed to represent unless they're something for votes? Mm -hmm. How many of them have ever really led a real life? They're not interested in real people. They're not, you know, who cares about us? They're interested in their family. You know, it's almost a dynasty when you look at some of our really top political people. They're interested in their kids, their grandkids, and none of ours. 100% agree, Holly. Thank you so much. And guys, that's it for today. So make sure you go to uh, thefederalist.com and find Holly Share because she's a writer and an editor and she's fascinated by politics, culture, and theology. So if you want more information about this article that we talk about today, so make sure you click on the, on the link below here on soundcloud.com so you can find and read all of her articles. I'm telling you guys, this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic season two. I got more interviews, more authors, more writers coming back here next time. So make sure to go to chriscruzblog.com. That is chriscruzblog.com for more information. Till next time.